0: post-game edition of Numbers on the Boards, coming to you from, where are we? (laughs) I think it's auxiliary locker room number three. Yep, that's the one. That is where we are. Uh, There is uh, a lot of empty chairs in here, a few empty water bottles. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's me, Bobby. It's him, Skin. Hello. Uh, We are talking probably, I don't know, 15, 20 minutes after uh, the final buzzer of the Mavs' thrilling in a a bad way I guess like the game was definitely exhilarating but it was a loss a 121-119 defeat at the hands of Damian Lillard, CJ McCollum and the Portland Trailblazers skin this game was full of a bunch of twists and turns you had the Mavs hot start you had the Blazers furious comeback and then you had a wacky wacky last couple minutes of the game so I want to start there the play that everyone is going to be talking about for the Mm -hmm. next I don't know maybe a long time in the NBA because like this is kind of the most controversial replay call to date Um, you have with about 10 seconds left, Luka Doncic misses a step back three, the rebound falls to Dorian Finney-Smith, who made a really good effort to get the ball, uh, goes back up for the shot, is initially called, uh, is is initially, it's initially called a foul on Damian Lillard, a shooting foul, as Finney-Smith goes back up for the layup, he earns two free throws, but the Blazers challenge it, the play is overturned, it's a jump ball at midcourt, and at that point the game was kind of... It wasn't over, but it was very. It was became a lot more difficult for the maps to win. So, uh, yeah, I I just your thoughts on that, and especially working on the broadcast. I'm sure you might have heard what the referees were saying. I mean, any insight that you have would be great.
1: Yeah. So, uh, first of all, I think you know the tone of this podcast is real interesting. It's a great example of timing. Because the Mavericks are 2-1, and and we've seen some great things so far. But we do have the slight bitter taste of bitterness in our mouths right now. Because the way that game went down, it was exhilarating. And there is frustrations that they let go of the big lead and things. But let's face it, McCollum was incredible. And how many times have you seen Dame suck in the first half and be spectacular in the second half? Every time he
0: plays against the Mavs. Yes.
1: So, you know, putting all that aside, then you focus in on that moment. And, and the giant swing of emotion from Dorian Finney-Smith doing what he does, creating a possession out of sheer will and hustle, and going back up and getting fouled. And then we saw, we don't even know how to really, uh, you know, perceive challenges yet, right? There's yep. not this vast series of challenges that we've seen to know how things are going. So at that point in the game, uh, Bobby, I'm actually underneath the Portland basket. Oh, you're waiting to get the walk off. Yes. And I got the earpiece in and I can hear the broadcast and I can actually hear our producer, Dave Keeney, in my ear before they announce it in the arena go, they are going to reverse it now. And I'm like, Wow. wow, because my NFL mindset is, well, I have to see conclusive evidence to reverse it. And I didn't see all the angles that, you know, they had in Secaucus. But what I did see looking up, it looked to me like, okay, maybe that's a clean strip, but not enough to know if you got wrist. And then is his hand in the back?
0: Is he pushing him? Is there a foul at the body? So here's a couple still frames that we're looking at right now. If you go to my Twitter timeline, you'll see it. But like... To Dame, me, do you know that he didn't get him on the wrist? So, I mean, to me, that
1: overhead know? shot that you showed me, that from the overhead looks like a foul. Yep. Now, I will say and this. His right
0: hand is definitely on
1: Finney Smith's hip too, which yeah. you can't. Do. He's shoving him. Yep. So, I didn't think it was enough to overturn it, but I also don't know what all they got to look at in Sakakis, mm-hmm. right? They may see. And, and clearly, and they
0: get HD replay. Uh, this is like a 720p screenshot. So yeah,
1: and it looks like it was just taken by a drone that someone was flying that was a season ticket yeah. holder. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I, I, I should I should say this. I've learned uh, to bite my tongue on calls that I think are ridiculous because broadcasting, I see something happen, and then I see the reverse angle and go, oh, I get it. Mm. Or, oh, I know why that was called now. So in my mind, I'm confused because I haven't seen what they saw to reverse it. I wouldn't have reversed it. Uh, and then I think also after that deflating moment, you know, I think Porzingis would like to have that tip over. Yeah. He's got like a, what, five-inch advantage plus, plus arm length after that. Yeah, I mean, that. it was
0: kind of clear he was going to win the tip, but he goes up, so you have Doncic and Curry on his right side, and mm-hmm. he goes up for the jump ball with his right hand. Right. Which kind of sort of uh, narrowed the angle that he could. And there's no timeout or, you know. for the Mavs to yeah. call and set up that It had sort to be a thing. perfect tip. Yeah. You have eight seconds, no timeouts.
1: Right. So uh, there was a lot of frustrations there. Um but And then Bays God misses the second free throw. He should
0: have been a good sport and missed and the first on yes, purpose. Yeah, would have been I mean, much better. Yeah.
1: So, here you are. Uh, but we're focusing on that because that just happened. Mm. But that's not how we put our numbers on the boards. We look at bigger picture things. Absolutely. Bro, 2-1, what's up? Big win against New Orleans on the road mm. after getting down by quite a bit. Yep. I mean, I want to win these games at home against any Western Conference foe.
0: Imagine if you were a Pelicans fan. And what the what just happened here happened to you. I mean, that the Mavericks win against New Orleans on Friday night was basically the same as the Blazers right. win here tonight. Right, right, right. Crowds into it, you blow a double-digit lead in the first half, and you're just left kind of with a sour taste.
1: You're left with a sour taste, and, and that, again, comes down to that whole timing thing. But, you know, an hour from now, when I get home, I might reheat some pizza. I don't know what the wife has at the crib. I don't know what we're dealing with there. But... Cold is not bad either. I'll, I, no, it's not. But I'll reflect back on the first three games and go, yes, more of this, please. Because this is a young team figuring itself out. Porzingis is really, you can tell, just now starting to get his legs underneath him. And this team is potent. I love the flashes of DeLon Wright. I love fourth quarter Seth Curry. Mm. I love what Dorian does. There's a lot of really fun, dynamic things going on. And Dwight hadn't even been a part of the show yet.
0: Yeah. And so this is what game three of the year pal has missed all three games. Um he could play as soon as Tuesday. It could be a little longer. I don't know. He's been working out like individually with the Mavs. Right. And he's been taking part in some elements of practice. Uh the Mavericks should be practicing tomorrow, which will be Monday. Mm-hmm. Uh so we should have hopefully a little more insight as to his on you know his availability uh on Tuesday against Denver where you're going to Denver, the fortress up in the mountains. Uh, To take on Nikola Jokic, any size that you have is going to be very, very big in that game. Aren't you interested in seeing
1: how Porzingis uh, defends uh, the uh, Jokic out on the perimeter? Yeah, I mean, what's going to be Maxi? Yeah, there's Maxi Garden? But but
0: then Jokic is so good on the on the block. But then, like, do you want Porzingis taking the beating down low? And then that's the question too. I mean, we saw it tonight. So the Blazers start uh, Zach Collins and Hassan Whiteside, and I'm I'm not trying to get lost in the weeds of one game. You know, we're we're talking about all three games, but this is kind of leads to a bigger point. The Blazers start Collins and Whiteside, and so the Mavs go big with Maxi and Porzingis. Now, on Friday night in New Orleans, uh, because Zion is out, the Pelicans went small. They had Brandon Ingram at power forward, and they went with uh, Derek Favors at center. Mm-hmm. And so in that game, the Mavericks started Finney Smith at power forward and Porzingis at center. Maxi came off the bench. Now, that starting lineup in that game didn't do very well. You know, they, they kind of got blitzed early on. Right. But I think what we've taken away from the first three games of the year and all of the preseason games, there's been a different starting lineup every single game. And So I think... What the Mavs are going to roll out at the beginning of each game it sort of depends on the opponent, which right. I think because they've
1: been matching up for defensive purposes. Yeah, me, sure. it appears. Yeah, I mean,
0: like tonight, for example, you got the you got Lillard and McCollum, and so the Mavs start Delon Wright and Jalen Brunson, and then their one wing player was Rodney Hood. And you figure, okay, Luka's like size to him, so you know we could we can get away with having Luca on him. Now Hood had a huge first quarter, but Luca obviously had a huge game, so it kind of all evened out in the end. But. Uh, But, yeah, I mean, I think what we're seeing as these guys kind of collectively find their legs, right? Like, Mm -hmm. it's not just poor Zingas. I think he's kind of like the symbol of this whole thing. But it's a lot of new guys that haven't played together before. A lot of players taking on larger roles than maybe they have earlier in their career. Uh, Some playing different roles. For example, Tim Hardaway coming off the bench. Um, And it's just kind of they're sort of feeling it out. And there's been some good moments. There's been some not good moments. I would say that this game, outside of the third quarter, was pretty awesome for the Mavs. That uh,
1: first half made me uh, delirious points. with j- excitement and joy. Mm-hmm. And there's a
0: couple of moments on the
1: broadcast, uh, Bob, where, you know, uh, me and Harp and Followwell just kind of start giggling. You know,
0: you just kind of this is so great. That one sequence, Porzingis hit, what, three threes in a row. It was, I mean, he abs- was
1: the 400-footer he hit. Is that yeah. a real distance? Yeah, for sure. That from, was from the logo. He had
0: a step back three. I mean, that was a really good example of what it's going to look like when this team is firing on all cylinders, which should, is hopefully – something that will happen a little more consistently throughout games and not just basically in, like, one 15-minute burst. But uh, then you have kind of pitfalls. The first quarter in New Orleans was not great. Right. The third quarter of this game was not great. And really against the Wizards, uh, the first six, eight minutes of that game was pretty bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the last probably four or five got real chippy. Right. But, I mean, generally, uh, I think kind of the, the issue with the teams that we've seen in the last few years that have missed out on the playoffs is they play, like, 25 minutes of pretty good basketball Mm -hmm. and then for about half the game they're just getting run out of the gym and now this season it's only three games so far but it seems like for like 40 minutes they're playing really well and it's just those eight minutes that get away from them and sometimes that makes a difference
1: we we focus a lot on the end of games and a lot of times there's other moments in games that are more important than that and one thing that i really like is that you know, like most folks sitting here thinking about this team going, okay, this team's about Luka and Porzingis, and when they're on the floor together and blah, 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 blah. You talked about the slow start in Washington. That unit with Brunson kind of running the show in the second quarter really created a spark in yeah. that Wizards game. The group of guys that were out there against New Orleans when DeLon Wright and Dorian and those guys were just like really making it Seth happen. Seth big shots. It is so exciting That it's not a two-man team. Mm. It's not. I mean, those guys are exceptional, and they create all these other things. But, you know, what happens is, is all these guys in this league, all of them have talent. They all have talent. And a lot of times it's being in situations and confidence and working on your craft and all those things. But you can tell. These guys all genuinely like each other. They all genuinely like playing with one another, and their confidence is high and their belief is high in one another. So if you look in these first two wins, there's moments that directly – I mean, yes, dude, Luka's out of control with how good he is. Mm. He was one assist shy of another triple-double tonight. Ridiculous numbers. But there's moments in these games – where the Mavericks are grabbing control and neither one of those dudes are involved in what's making it happen. And that's a very good sign for where this thing can go.
0: That happened again tonight. Uh, so you have the – I think it might have been the second quarter. Uh, the Mavs went on like an 18 nothing run, mm-hmm. and then the Blazers answered, went like 15-5, boom, right. or 11-1 to or something, just like a real quick burst. And then the Mavs rolled out a lineup after a timeout with neither Doncic nor Porzingis. It was, I think, Brunson, Wright – Justin Jackson, maybe Tim Hardaway, and Maxie. And they went 8-0 like that, mm-hmm. and Portland had to call another timeout. And so in the minutes where neither of those guys is on the floor, I mean, that's where it's going to be really vital to at least play them to a draw. But this season, twice now, they've done really well with both of them off the floor, which I think is really, so, I don't know, kind of interesting.
1: So, that sorry to take it back to negative world, but back in July, when all the petty internet people were bitching and moaning about what was <laughs> happening with this team, what if I had told everybody then, "Hey, we got a really deep team, and there's not enough minutes for everybody because the team is so good and so deep"? I don't How would that, all those people have been? I don't think that? they would
0: have taken that very well. No, they wouldn't, because, have. like for example, I said DeLon Wright is a pretty good player, and uh, you would have thought that I just basically sent everyone a picture of me giving them the middle finger. Right.
1: It's but that's okay. It's not the average fan's job to keep up with guys around the league that they never see play sure I mean I I really was surprised at how confused people were as to how good Porzingis was Mm. and you know you and I have a mutual friend Kevin Turner KT is the producer of the Ben and Skin show and a great guy and and I and I love him I know you're friends with him too but he when when we got Porzingis, he goes dude I don't watch New York Knicks basketball I mean I can what I know that I can look down at his stats and go okay those are some good stats he goes but I don't I can't tell you the nuances of his game. Who the hell is watching the Knicks? Mm. And so I get it. And so I get that the vast majority of the fan base didn't know what DeLon Wright did. I get it. That's mm. okay. But now that you're seeing it, I think people are, like, starting to get drunk off how good this thing can be. Yeah, it's pretty cool, huh? Yeah.
0: I mean, to think about it this way, like, how many times whenever J.J. goes off for 11 points and five assists off the bench, does the opposing team's fan base be like, what is what is going on with it? Why does he always have good games against us? Against, it's like good you know, I mean, he does that everybody. almost against everybody. <laughs> like, just think of his average. Yeah, know? right. But uh, that's kind of the thing. It's not. Yeah, I think you're right. It's not the average fan's job, the casual fan, or even really the hardcore fan's mm-hmm. job to know. The ins and outs of all 500 players in the league, all of the draft prospects, and then the entire G League. I mean, Who was
1: just... watching Memphis after the All-Star break last year that didn't live in Memphis? Man,
0: I mean, outside of the outside of the games where the Mavs played the Grizzlies, I'm not sure that more than 0.1% of Mavs fans saw a second of Grizzlies basketball. Right. And that and was when DeLon frankly, was killing
1: it. And quite frankly, uh, a couple of those DeLon triple-doubles happened happen against a Maverick team that wasn't playing that well, and it's... Very likely that a large part of the fan base tuned out of those games as well.
0: Do you want to hear uh, a DeLon Wright joke that people might not like too much? Yes. So uh, at the Mavs tip-off luncheon, which is mm-hmm. a great event, by the way, mm-hmm. happens like the day or two before opening night. Uh, it benefits the Mavs Foundation. It's awesome. The whole team goes. There's a Q&A. It's really cool.
1: Raised like $100,000 for Mavs Foundation that day. Is that so? Yes. Wow.
0: I mean, it's, it is awesome. And honestly, it's worth whatever the price is of admission because yeah. everyone's just laid back and having a good time. So it, it gets to be DeLon's turn, and it might have been Cooper. It might have been Dana. I forget who uh, said, like, you had two triple-doubles against the Mavs. I mean, obviously, they give you a big contract. You think that made a difference? And he said, yeah. I was joking about it with the guys the other day. I said, those triple-doubles, I owe a lot of credit to Dirk for those. <laughs> and I was like, oh! oh
1: no. The
0: line.
1: Man, so that sucks that we have to cut him after I'm, such and, a good and start. And his favorite
0: player is D Wade. So you know, skin, I think I'm I'm starting to figure out why the fans are so. Uh, I'm not. Uh, I'm not gonna. I'm just gonna be honest. I think Delon Ride
1: sucks. I had no idea. <laughs> no, no, we're joking.
0: It was cool the other day after uh after I understand he had that
1: the younger generation not knowing any better. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know, He's we, just a kid. Yeah, he's just a kid.
0: He's like a year younger than me. <laughs> <laughs> just a, he's he's just a 27-year-old kid. Year old kid. <laughs> I remember being 27. <laughs> but uh, after he went off in New Orleans, D-Wade tweeted like he shared one of the Mavs highlights and basically said, like, you know, go off, young fellow, be a star in your role. I was like, you know what? That's pretty cool. If there's one if, if DeLon does nothing else in his time as a Mav, if he can kind of be a bridge between Mavs fans and Dwayne Wade, just to kind of like eh, smooth no. things you're, over. You're you know? being way too optimistic. Now, hey. his
1: brother played with D. Wade, right? Yeah, his brother was on the yeah. team that won the championship. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. so you I know, you, he was
0: on maybe the, whenever LeBron went there, too.
1: Yeah, so you've got to – listen, if your older brother is playing with D. Wade and they're winning championships, you're going to freaking love D. Absolutely. Wade. Absolutely. And and hey. you know what? i got news for you. If you're not a Mav fan – you probably love D-Wade. He's probably yeah. a top 3 or 4 two guard of all time. And
0: there are some kind of like Delon says he likes to model his offensive game on D-Wade and there are some similarities. Obviously, Dwayne was like a Hall of Famer and Delon, right. you know, is just now becoming a starter, but uh some of the moves, the euro steps, the way that he drives, the way that he kind of prowls on defense, mm-hmm. there's there's some elements of D-Wade in there. Yeah.
1: I I uh, I do give guys a pass if they have a a distinct Familial attachment to something, right? I mean, mm. you have to cut the guy some slack, but dude, don't you ever say anything bad about
0: Dirk again? Yeah, never, ever. Even, even as a joke, it's not funny. Only I can make fun of Dirk. Only Jessica Nowitzki Dearingly. can make fun of Dirk, and Dirk and Dirk can make fun of Dirk. He's the best at making fun no, of himself. He is the too. best. He is the absolute best. Hey, you
1: want to? You want to toast to Dirk right quick?
0: Yes. Cha-ching. Pour me up. Uh, give me a Bud Light and let's uh, to let's raise the glass to Dirk. Dirk. Love you, buddy. Our favorite. I German. wonder, uh, on or off the record, has he been at these games? I don't. God, we'd know it, right? Oh, well, I don't know. I mean, I think that there would kind of I think sneak he'd him in, in and in sneak a, in him a suite out, sweet, and maybe not. Because I mean, kind of his whole thing is at least this year. I, I don't really think he wants to kind of yeah. take away the shine from from uh, Luca and, and KP. So I
1: saw him at a Dwight Powell charity event mm. last. Uh, I guess that was last Monday night.
0: I saw him in a commercial. Oh, isn't that great? It is. It's awesome. It's awesome. Yeah.
1: That was like last minute, too. He didn't. Was it really? Uh, heat. I'm trying to think. I could do this. So he found out. They shot that on a Sunday. They reached out to him Wednesday before that Sunday and said,
0: we need you in this commercial. Wow. We got to fly out to L.A. Whoa. Yeah. And he did it? Oh, yeah. Dude. How cool is that? That is, is that? That's an NBA commercial, right? Yes. Okay. It's an
1: NBA AT&T commercial, I yeah. believe. Man, that yeah. is
0: that is really surprising because I mean, Pretty even awesome. even though he's not playing anymore, like he's still a busy guy. Dude, so it's just to, to me though. If you're it.
1: Dirk and you're thinking now you're getting close to the season and you're thinking, man, I'm uh, really out of this thing. All right, I got to get adjusted to this. And and he was he had had some public statements about it, it was weird when this when the schedule came out because usually the schedule comes out he goes, "Okay, I'll have my family here for this game." And he said it was so weird for him to read the schedule and go. None of this applies to me. Yeah. And it was kind of a sad moment for him. And so he's dealing with those emotions. And then, oh, by the way, Dirk, the NBA loves you so much. We need you to fly to L.A. right now. You're about to be part of a huge ad campaign on all these national games. That's a great feeling, dude. Yeah. Because you're in that
0: mode of.
1: All right, I guess it's not about me anymore. Wait, yes it still is. Hold yeah. on. We need you.
0: And for him, I mean he was never in commercials whenever he played. No. So And dude, he
1: is very excited about that job he took. Yeah. Uh the head is it head of FIBA officially. Yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. a five kind year he took over took over for Vlade, Divac. Yeah. It's he
0: he's excited about that. Is he? Yeah. Yeah. I, I gotta the next time he's around I mean, I hang out with him a lot right. personally. So the next right. time the next time that he and I throw back some brews, I'll uh
1: Call me uh, over for once. Okay. Uh, for he, always, once. he always leaves before I show up. Oh,
0: wow. Oh, skin's coming. I'm yeah. going out the back of the door. He's got to get the F out of there. I don't
1: know why I made him sound like Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> I was
0: like, his voice is not that deep. No. Um, okay. So, I guess kind of talking a few big picture things before we get on to, uh, I guess, some littler picture things. But through three games, small sample size, but mm-hmm. it is what it is. Through three games, the Mavs have a top five offense skin. Yep. Uh, They are fifth. You and I (laughs) talked. Still top five. You and I talked about that, homeboy. Yeah, I mean. We talked
1: about this as a top five offensive team on paper.
0: Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, top five is going to be tough because there's a lot of really good teams. But if you can be in the top ten, top ten is where you want to be, basically. If you're top ten offense, generally you're going to make the playoffs just because over the course of 82 games, it means good things are happening for you. Now, the flip side of that, uh, defense, it was pretty good before tonight, tonight, they didn't have a very good night. They're down to nineteenth in defensive rating, but they're point one points out of seventeenth. And I mean, if you really want to hit the panic button, uh the vaunted LA Clippers defense is twenty sixth through three games for them, and that includes uh, homie, a loss to the Suns. So they
1: I watched a lot of that. They they were never really Suns are in control the whole game. Yeah. And it's no Aiden and no I don't think Rubio played in that game. Really? I think now, Rubio Do you want to hear a
0: nice and spicy take? Yeah. I'm not even sure. Well, this is definitely my take. This is my take to give. Do it. I think that Phoenix might end up winning more games with Aiton out than they would have if he was playing. And not be, That's not because Aiton isn't a great player. Yeah, I, think I wasn't going to really, say
1: that. You're really going shock That's here. That is – hey. Why I, do you think that?
0: Early last season, remember, I said, what can Zach Levine do that Devin Booker – or what can Devin Booker do that Zach Levine can't? Uh-huh. And you were like, whoa, you're high. And Zach Levine is like, going to be an all-star this year. Wait, so what? my hot takes work.
1: Wait, did you say he's going to be an all-star this year?
0: Isn't he? I mean, he I plays in know. the East, dude. Yeah, it's a good point. Yeah. So uh, basically young big men – struggle dude and like Aaron Baines would Aiton beat Aaron Baines one-on-one probably 1,000 out of 1,000 times he probably beats him one-on-one Aaron but Baines is a screen set he's mofo, good man dude. and yeah. if you're trying to get Booker open yeah I mean that opens up all sorts of space he's a really good defender really mm-hmm. good rebounder I mean he's just as good on the glass as Aiton is if not even better and yeah. uh, block shots I mean like I don't think you're losing much offensively um, and you can more than make that up on the defensive end and that is I mean the Suns are they have – let's see, they're 101.2, and that's after playing the Clippers. They're the 11th best defense in basketball right now. The Suns are? The Suns are. How about that? That's I mean, impressive. and that, that includes a win over the Clippers. Yeah. Like, they're off to a really good start, man. And that kind of lends credence to the whole, like, there are no nights off in the Western well, Conference thing.
1: I, I can't remember. I've talked a lot of basketball. I thought I talked about this with you, that the only team in the Western Conference that, quote, unquote, can't make the playoffs is Memphis. I think it's unlikely Sacramento. I think it's unlikely Phoenix. I think – and I don't know what to think about Minnesota. But if any of those teams made it, I wouldn't be shocked because I think they have a good enough team. It's just that
0: the West is absurd. And Memphis beat Brooklyn at the buzzer tonight. Did they really? Jay the Beast Crowder, hit a three as time expired. Damn it. Yeah. So they're one and two. How about uh – the the Kings, back to your point, I guess it's survey of the West right now, dude. Struck, o and man. three getting thumped. I mean, they're not scoring. They're getting and thumpy Mcthumped. They got guys that are hurt. I mean, Bagley's, Bagley's hurt. hurt. Fox has kinda he's like messed up his hip. He played but he kinda messed up his hip still uh-huh. and uh, Golden State. And, got, and
1: Bogdanovich isn't happy. Did you see those comments? Like, I didn't see his quotes. Uh, no. I, I didn't get to see the story, but it was like one of those things at the scrawl on the bottom of NBA TV. Yeah, Bogdanovich unhappy of where he's getting his shots or something oh, like that. Oh, wow. You know, it's just mean, like
0: dude, it's they, way too early in the season for things to be going wrong like that. For a team that was like kind of this close to the playoffs for like four or five months, you know? Right. Man, that's tough. And the only team that has it tougher than the Kings. So 28th in net rating is the Knicks at minus 11. 29th is the Kings at minus 22-7. The only team worse than them in that rating is Golden State 233. They got beat by basically 50 by OKC today. I mean, dude. Golden State got beat by 50 today? So the final score to that game I ended up being 120-92, to 92, but it was 40 for like most of the third quarter.
1: So between, you know, and I like D'Angelo Russell, but I know he's not a defensive player and Steph's not a defensive player. It matters so much that Clay's not there because that means – like, what is Golden State going to do when they play Portland?
0: Dude, I don't know. I mean, how, do you, going to how are they going to score enough to keep up with the Pelicans? Right. Like, can they score? They scored 92 points in, in uh, their first – in the game against OKC. They were down 70-37 to 37 at halftime. Um, and then in the first game against the Clippers, they lost 141-122, to 122, but the Clippers basically stopped playing midway through the third quarter because they were up 30. I mean – it's tough. Like they're gonna they're gonna struggle to score points. Now, Steph can probably figure it out. D'Angelo Russell is really good, but if you got two guys on your team that are basically capable of averaging double digits, it's gonna be really, really hard to score in a league when everybody scores. Right. Everyone scores. And I mean to your point too, how are they gonna defend? Like Clay Thompson is one of the best defenders in basketball, and D'Angelo Russell is not at that level. No, he's <laughs> you know. Not. And, I mean, Draymond is great, but whenever you lose KD, who him, himself was a really good defender, I mean, dude, it's going to be tough. It's going to be really, really tough for them. Uh, now, the Mavs don't see the Warriors or the Kings for a while, but I do want to kind of look ahead now, um, now that we're talking about other teams, kind of the upcoming week. So um, it's been a game every other day so far this season, and that trend will continue on Tuesday. But then the Mavs will have two days off. That could be really good for Dwight Powell. Um, before playing the Lakers. So, uh, Tuesday it's at Denver. Mm -hmm. Then they come home Friday versus the Lakers. Does Uh, Denver have the best home record in the NBA at the end of the year? Oh, yeah, probably, right? Yeah. I mean, who who could beat them?
1: Maybe the Celtics? I mean... I thought – I just – you know, when we were doing predictions, I was like, Denver's your number one seed in the West. Not that I think they're the best team. I think they're a great team. They're going to win 35
0: games at home. Maybe more, dude. If
1: they ended up being, like, 38-3 and at home, I wouldn't be shocked.
0: I mean, that's going to be a tough game. Yeah. That is going to be a really tough game. Um, And then you come home and you have another really tough game, playing the Lakers. Now, the Lakers have had this weird, like – offensive sort of like they look either amazing or really bad like in the span of like the same minute you know Mm -hmm, right Uh, so they're still getting things figured out just like the Mavs are I mean the Mavs are going this up and down sort of thing you know there's all Uh, these
1: great teams have chemistry things to figure out because it's all these new teams
0: yeah there's so many new players yeah and the Lakers entire roster is new that's why they showed that uh I forget what it was. It was like the Lakers Clippers on opening night. They were like, this is the battle for L.A., a rivalry renewed. And I was like, dude, nobody on the court was here two years ago. <laughs> you know? And wait, when was that a rivalry? Yeah, like you Clippers
1: know, Lakers.
0: I, I don't know. That's I, never
1: been a thing. I, I don't know. Ever, but it's
0: like they these teams, but another Even classic. When
1: like Billy Crystal was like, you know, like uh, Mark Jackson was their point guard. <laughs> that's never no. That's just misleading marketing. Yeah,
0: and I mean it's clearly a not break. a rivalry either because like LeBron has not had many classic battles against you know freaking the Lakers shot last you know? year.
1: He, he went up and spent my half the year in the box with the GMs drinking <laughs> wine. What are you talking about? I think
0: the longest tenured clipper right now is who? Lou Williams? Montrezl Harrell? I mean, they yeah, came over right. in the trade for Chris Paul. Yeah. Uh, And Pat Beverly came over with them. Yeah. Landry Shamit they got last year. They obviously got Kawhi and Paul George recently, too. God, I, mean, I think you're right. None of those guys have been on the team for longer than two years. And none of the Lakers have been on the team for longer than two years either because they've traded everybody. Like, I think LeBron might wow. be the longest tenured Laker. How about or that? Or Alex Caruso. How about uh, no, uh, Kuzma, right? Kuzma came in the same year as Lonzo. Yeah. So Kuzma is your longest tenured Laker. Yeah. yeah. And everybody knows he's a longtime NBA veteran of two <laughs> seasons and three <laughs> games. So, yeah, miss me with that rivalry trap. <laughs> but uh, anyway, you play the Lakers on the first. <laughs> and then comes a week that will probably, and I'm not trying to speak in, uh, in uh, hyperbole here, decide your season. Sunday November 30 go to Cleveland mm-hmm. Wednesday November 6th you host the Magic Friday November 8th you host the Knicks Saturday November 9th you visit the Grizzlies and that's four games that after a really tough three games Portland Denver Lakers that's three teams that are probably gonna be in the playoffs you play four, uh three East teams and one West team that probably will not be in the playoffs when they magic might the magic obviously yeah they might I but, think uh, magic's pretty good yeah yeah no they're I mean, really it's relative they're that, good for the East yeah and much better to play them on at home yeah. than on the road. So that's four games that if you win three be, of them at least. Want to be good, you got to yeah. win at least three, and then you eat. go to uh, Boston, which is gonna be really hard, and then you go to New York, and that's gonna be a really emotional game. But I mean, they got a really good chance on the other side of this Denver Lakers thing to kind of string together four or five wins and maybe see if this thing can get rolling. So uh, as you think big picture, I guess, uh, kind of continuing that theme. What are you going to be looking for in the next two games, and then kind of in the week beyond that, over the next like ten days, twelve days of Mavs basketball? What is, what are you going to be paying attention to a lot? I guess. Um, well, I'm going to be. I think tomorrow or tomorrow Tuesday
1: night's game is. Just, I just want to see. I don't have super high expectations, but I want to see how they respond. I want to see. You know, that's a disappointing loss. And I think, you know, you were in the locker room. Didn't you feel some dejectedness in there after all that?
0: There was a lot of, and this is like after almost every game, but they meant it this time. A lot of like, we really should have won that game. Yeah, because they got a big. We gave it away. I mean,
1: dude, at halftime, you were just standing with your hands on your hips and the cape flapping in the wind That you're at the top of the mountain. Yeah. And the trumpets are sounding. So, Um, yeah, I want to see how they respond from an early season disappointment at a very tough place. And then I think you got to get the Lakers now. I think by the end of the year they're going to be really tough to
0: solve. It's going to be a hype game. Eight thirty PM, late tip off on yeah. national TV. I mean, that's yeah. going to be a big, big, big game. We're
1: not even broadcasting that game locally. It's all the big ESPN national broadcast. Yeah, I'm going to go to the game with my wife. Oh, that's like I cool. never get to do that. Don't get
0: in a fight with any rowdy Lakers fans unless I have to, you know. Okay, or my yeah.
1: wife gets into a lot of fights at games. Oh no. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Yeah, get some of that party juice in her. Who knows what'll happen. But um, but no, I'm very excited, and uh, I I I expect. To beat the Lakers at home. Wow! Like you know what I'm saying? I think that I think like just like I expected to beat Portland at home. Mm. I think that that's how the Mavericks and their fans need to look at these games. Doesn't mean you
0: win, Mm. but you definitely you need to be in the game. You need to prove that you're you're just as good as them,
1: right? And I think the Lakers are going to be great, but I don't think they're great yet. I think they got a lot to figure out. Mm. Um, But when they do, come on, man! But like like. You know, the only time I've watched them play so far was the Clipper game. And at the end of the game, it was just a jumbled, you know, mess of three guys too close to one another that were easy to defend. Mm. You know, so, like, they got to figure out their spacing and all that stuff. I mean, I don't know. LeBron was just living inside the – he's, like, right at 18 feet with a live dribble the whole time. Like, what what, what are we doing right
0: now? Yeah, it was very – they. It was like watching 1998 hoops. Yeah, I mean, it was really, really bizarre. So get them now. Yeah, get them well, now. Until, I, I don't know what Kuzma's situation is, but that game is another week away. I don't know if he's going to be back or not, and so it's a good time to get them if mm-hmm. he's not because that's five one days. Less score. Right, that's in five days. Uh, yeah, yep. yeah. So that's one less score that you have to worry about. Uh, but yeah, I'm with you. I think that I don't, I'm not going to say it's like a must win or anything. No, but it, it is a it is a must show that you're. Yeah, like let's see that's what you national got. National TV, you
1: know? man. You you should you you. I mean, I'll I'll say this. I mean, unless something weird happens this week, I bet – not that I would ever encourage wagering, but Mm -hmm. I bet uh, Vegas has the Mavericks as favorites. Wow. Okay. I could see it. I I predict that on – unless something crazy happens this week, injury-wise or something, that goes both ways,
0: I predict the Mavericks are like one-and-a-half-point favorites on Friday night. Wow. Okay. Yeah, so the Lakers right now are playing at home to Charlotte. Uh, It's a one-point game at halftime. And then they're playing at home to Memphis. So they'll probably be riding, I would say – at three and one coming in, and then of course, as is always the case, they play the Mavs first, and then they play the Spurs.
1: Yes, never, know, right? never the
0: opposite. I don't get it. I don't, it doesn't well, make d- sense
1: it, you know, and it is early in the year, but did you? Were you surprised what the Wizards did against the Spurs I and the Rockets?
0: Am. I am. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then someone else took the Spurs down to the wire too. I mean, like they've. Yeah. It hasn't been the easiest start for them. It hasn't been the easiest Did you
1: see uh, James Harden slam a basketball off the ground into his face? I did.
0: I did. I would, too, if I went two for 18. I couldn't stop watching that. Yeah, so the Spurs played the Knicks, took them down to the wire, and then they played the Wizards, took them down to the wire. And then, guess what? Tomorrow, on the second night of a back-to-back, they get the Blazers. Crazy how it works every time. The Spurs always get the sloppy seconds, It's Conspiracy. The NBA, man. The NBA. I'm telling you, it's all, you know. Are you,
1: you sad about our boy right now in New York?
0: It's tough. It's yeah, tough. Man. It's a tough situation. We're
1: talking about Dennis Smith Jr. If you're not paying attention, he, yeah, you know he's, he's. I know he doesn't feel healthy, but he's getting low minutes. And Knicks he played fans five are, minutes the other night. Yeah, Knicks fans are chanting for Frank Neely Kena
0: when he's on the floor. Yeah,
1: boy, but, people that live in New York and Philly are just asshats. Yeah, all of them, Dude. just a giant collection of asshats.
0: It's like, I mean, I understand that you took Frank in the top ten. He had a really good summer playing for France, had some really nice plays in the preseason too, but you also kind of got to understand that like you're probably not going to win many games this year, and you traded away a surefire all-star caliber player, if not better, for this guy, Dennis, in addition to, I guess, financial flexibility that your front office didn't use, so you... Dennis is kind of like the last vestige of hope from that trade, unless you get lucky and basically literally win the lottery with the Mavs picks. Uh, don't you kind of want to like wrap your arms around that guy and like that's watch not him succeed? That's not the way succeed? those people think. That's not the way those people. think. I mean, think. but I'm saying that's what like any rational minded person would do or There's say. No rational why can't we have people? Dennis Nilikina and RJ Barrett all on the floor together at the same time? Oh, it's because we spent 100 million dollars on forwards that we have to give minutes to, bro. Like you need to play these guys minutes to see what they got. There's
1: no logic or reason. New York and Philly is nothing but angry, negative passion. Like that's all it is. We, uh, we will go uh, on the radio show and fire up Philadelphia Sports Talk Radio just to laugh at how miserable all those asshats are. <laughs> I've heard I mean, that bit many times. Dude, they are so angry at an Eagles team that is, by the way, full of injuries. They won a Super Bowl two years ago.
0: And they just went to Buffalo today and killed them.
1: And it never won a Super Bowl. Mm. Never. And those people are miserable. Fire everybody. Cut everybody. I mean, it's just misery. It's just... Muck and misery and negativity It's Twitter in real life basically. Dude it is It's walking Twitter It's just I don't get it Like Just basically Like why do you want to put so much negativity in the world
0: mm. what, a, how did, what, do you, what do you get out of that There's like a real I mean it's it's a New York thing man You live in New York It's the greatest city in the world Or so they'll tell you and it's the
1: greatest city in the world for the 5%.
0: Yeah, sure. It's the Mecca of basketball, apparently. Right. And this is the greatest franchise in sports, uh, evidently. And so well, if, if I think there's they've a, made just the a kind of a, like, like a, once in two decades. Or I know. Something. I know. There's like kind of the sense of entitlement almost that comes with rooting for that right. team. I mean, it's kind of like being a Lakers fan. Only there's one. That actually, there's like 14 differences between the Lakers and the Knicks, but uh, you know, right, right, that. right, right. But uh, that one year, yeah, that, well, that one time. But um, I don't know. It's just there's a lot of people in New York that like to leave snake comments on Instagram. It's just like, what, why? what are you? Why? why? What are you doing this for? What is your objective? Like, kind of worry about your own stuff. You yeah. know, like I, I don't know. I, maybe you know what.
1: I just I but, want I I bottom line I want Dennis to persevere. Yeah, me too, and that's kinda, I, you was can't get be... out of your own way when you're young, and you don't have the perspective of the good things that have happened for him yet, which will happen for him. So I just I worry about his
0: psyche and all those sorts of things because that's a lot, man. That's heavy. Yeah, I mean for it to be basically your 15th game with your new team and your fans are booing you three games into what is almost guaranteed to be a really really bad losing season. This is a tough spot, man. Right. There's there's one group of people on Earth that should b- have Dennis's back no matter what, and they're the only people that are booing him. And right. it's just like, dude, you
1: know. I mean, I don't, I don't. I feel like Maverick fans love Dennis more than Knicks fans.
0: I yeah. really do. And now, you know, I'm I'm not gonna lie. There have been times over the last couple of years where the fans booed the Mavs at home, because sure. like, they're down 30 points in the fourth quarter and they're tired of losing. But like, right. there's a difference between doing that. And booing him in the second quarter of the third game of the year in a game that's, like, tied. And you have, like, Bobby Portis, Taj Gibson, R.J. Barrett, and Marcus Morris all on the floor at the same time with him. And it's like, what is he supposed, supposed to do, to, yeah, do with mean? those guys? Right. What's going to happen next? You know, yeah. So, it, I, I don't know. This Change is your weird, expectations. Like, yeah. You're supposed to be building towards something. Exactly. Exactly. If, if you're gonna be mad at anybody don't be mad at the player yeah you know the mi- it's just the miserable people want others to be miserable yeah really there should be a lot of kind of good feels uh going out to Dennis for his situation which is really unfortunate going out to Wes Matthews who had a, some really big shots Dude, against he was Houston great at yeah. the end of that game yeah really big without Giannis yes. taking down the Rockets in their own building congrats everybody in Dallas apparently hates the Rockets you should be thrilled for Wes, but right. th- I know there's a lot of weird feelings about him because of his contract, but again, hey, uh, should people be mad at Wes for what he made while he played here? Mm. No. No. So, uh, yeah, feel good for him. Just a kind of a lot of good feeling. DeAndre Jordan is getting paid $10 million a year to come off the bench. Like, what a time to be alive. What right a time now, man. to be alive. What a time to be alive. Okay, before we get out of here... yep. Uh, it's about ten fifteen at night. I know you got to drive home. I got to go home and go to sleep. Last night there was someone in my apartment building having a party until five a.m. What? Yeah. Did you go? No, I wasn't invited. Bro, you need to I, show up. I did show up at three fifteen to ask them to be quiet, and they were like, "Yeah, yeah, sure." And I was like, "All right." And then they they saw me <laughs> walk away and <laughs> kind of turned it back up, and I was like, "All right, whatever." You know. Yeah. So uh, if you, you have showed
1: up with Jonathan Motley, it would have changed. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> if you live in apartment thirty twenty eight, then. Uh, I, I, I hate you right now. I'll let's uh,
1: let's do a loud podcast next time. Uh, I'm going to play sleep.
0: this. Well, the thing is, if I play this at max volume in my apartment, they're going to be like,
1: yes, I love this show. You right. know, So it's not going to be revenge. All right. Let me super Before we get to this segment, I want to do a super quick uh, thing that for people my age that may love this. OK. I mean, I, I doubt you know that much about the Beastie Boys. You're familiar with who they are, right? Yes. And some of their songs. Well, when I was in high school uh a video came out for their first like really big anthemic song uh fight for your right to party okay okay and if you've ever seen the video in the video it's like they're throwing a party and people are trying to you know bang on the door and tell them to turn the noise down and all this stuff so there's a great documentary series on showtime called shangri-la it's a four-part series about the great rick rubin who is the producer of the beastie boys and he started the label def jam with russell simmons and he's in this video And the video is actually based on an incident in college because he turned his dorm room into a rap label. And so he had these massive woofers and was like pounding out music. And there was a law student above him, and she actually came and and banged on the door, and she was the inspiration for the video for Fight for Your Right to Party. So sometimes you can learn a little bit of music history on this podcast based on the fact that Bobby had an experience— with the people in 3028. Absolutely, way too loud. man.
0: Absolutely. Turn down your freaking. Hopefully, he obliged her request, by the way. Because no, he turned it up louder. Oh, man. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah, but I he's st-
1: Rick Rubin. He was creating Def Jam. Yeah. It had to happen for music history. Yeah, that's
0: true. That's just So, net positive, I yeah, think. Yeah, net positive. And I'm sure she probably passed the bar and is making even just as much money as he did. So, she's, everybody wins. She's a baller lawyer. I everybody don't know wins. that, but I'm going to assume that. Yeah. Uh, okay. So, numbers on the boards presented, or I guess brought to you by Bedgear. It's not. Uh, it might be presented by Bed Gear. Either Let's way, Bed about Gear is
1: presented and brought
0: to you and sponsored by. Yes, Bed Gear. and sponsored by. And when I go home, I'm going to put my head on my Bed Gear pillow and I'm going to sleep like a baby. Unlike know. last night when I didn't sleep at all. Had a baby. But uh, yeah. <laughs> so just like last night, whenever I was not sleeping, uh, I, I want to talk about one player who you actually brought up earlier and uh, right before I guess the regular season started. You said, "Don't sleep on Seth Curry," and I was like, "You know what?" I chose Justin Jackson first, and so you went to Seth second, and Mm -hmm. so I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna take victory on this one. But turns out, man, Seth Curry has been freaking awesome these last uh, two games. Yeah, these last two games, especially. So against New Orleans, he really didn't do much at all. I mean, like I think he was out on the floor, and the team made a run, but he didn't score at all. But then he comes in in the fourth quarter, scores eight big points, hit back to back threes that were incredible. Uh, tonight comes in again the first three quarters of the game only scored three points comes in in the fourth quarter I think he had eight or nine points in the fourth quarter and some big fourth
1: quarter defensive yeah plays. so this
0: big the biggest play of the game to that point for sure uh, Blazers have a fast break going the other way Dame is trying to lob to mm-hmm. Kent Bazemore and Seth climbs the ladder jumps up swats it in the air uh, Jalen Brunson comes down with it Seth runs down the floor and drains a three to tie Huge. the game and it Huge. was massive yeah it was massive because At that point in the game, the match had gone through five minutes of just stale miss, miss, miss offense turnovers, and Seth just kind of changed the game. And so that is why you get guys like that, right? These explosive shooters that can go off at any point. And one thing I will say, even in the first game of the year, I I don't even know if he scored against the Wizards, but there was one play in particular where he was in the left corner, and uh, Luca was up top, took a screen, came off the – or no, it was Brunson, sorry, came off the screen. And uh, Seth's defender was so terrified by him that – by by his shooting ability that he actually got closer to Curry as the player drove to the lane, like, un unbothered for a layup. Like, mm-hmm. Seth's man was so worried about giving up a three that he didn't even slide down to stop what was basically an open dunk. Right. And that That's is why you get – those kinds of players. Absolutely. They, they they put the fear of God into their defenders, and then if they get any room, then he's going to get what a back-to-back threes and change the game in a matter of seconds.
1: Right, and, and that is how all these things sort of leverage against one another. When we talk about the way these things are supposed to work perfectly based on the personnel, you just gave a perfect description of that. Make these defensive players have to make tough decisions because they're scared of giving up the points that are going to kill you. Mm. And then you take advantage of it. It's like a safety trying to figure out which... Okay, crap. Both of these receivers have I leverage I got on coming man. across the middle, but Hill's going deep. Right. What do I'll, I do? Which which guy do I take? Yeah, that's kind of that whole. Yeah, thing. it's tough.
0: And now, if they can get consistent shooting contributions from guys like Delon Wright, who's three for four on the year from three, obviously that's sustainable forever. So he'll yeah. be seventy five percent this year. That'd be great. Uh, if Tim Hardaway can heat up, he had a great preseason. These first three games have not been great for him, but I mean that's just kind of he's sort of an explosive guy, right? So right. he's he's going to be on or he's not. And, uh, he's a streaky he's on. gentleman. Yeah. Now I will say, first game of the year, he what rolled his ankle or something? Yes. Like took this tumble and so right. I don't know if maybe that's still bothering him. I, right, I don't right, know. Right. Right. Um, but uh, anyway, so a couple of days off will do some do him some good later this week after the Denver game. But uh, Jalen Brunson, who had a really good game in New Orleans before, kind of I guess he he just missed a few shots tonight. So if collectively one or two of these guys hit every night, then you can just sort of ride the hot hand, right? right like right, Delon right. was that guy in New Orleans. Seth was that guy tonight. One of those guys is going to step up every single game, and then you can just give him minutes down the stretch, and hopefully it's enough to carry you across the finish line.
1: Yep, absolutely. And so I think uh, as we wrap this one up and we get ready to – I think both of you and I are thinking, ah, sleep will be good tonight. Absolutely. The main thing we want to take out of this podcast, overall great start, mm. even after the bitterness after this this loss tonight.
0: We're uh, an inch from 3-0. Yes. I mean, Truly.
1: Truly. Uh, but we have our don't sleep on guy is Seth Curry. Mm. He's providing a lot off the bench early on in the season. We've seen a lot of different lineups, mm. a lot of fluidity there, and we've got some really important games this week. So all in all, first numbers on the boards after the season has started, great success. There's a lot to look at here, Absolutely a lot to be excited no. about. I
0: will say if you leave a game that the Mavs lose just feeling Totally despondent. That's kind of a good thing, right? I mean, that means that you're expecting to win games. Yeah. Last year there was, there was 49 losses. The year before there was 58. This year there's been one, and this one hurts more than all 49 combined last year. And so now it's like, all right, it's time. Like, things that we've turned a corner. Yes. Right? It's time for the good times to begin or the good times to continue because it's been good so far. If you win two out of every three games, you're going to go to the playoffs. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Okay, Skin, we will reconvene at some point next week. Yep. Uh, If not before then, I guess, because next week is technically the week after the one that is coming up. I got to go to sleep. I don't know what you're saying right Uh, now. Man, I'm working 3 hours. But I agree with it. Yeah, bed gear. Hit hit me up, man. I can't wait. Can't wait. Uh, Okay, numbers on the boards. Mavs at Denver on Tuesday. Skin, I will see you soon. Yep, hopefully very soon. Very soon. And until then, uh, I guess we'll see you all on the internet.
1: See ya!